0: Hey guys, it's me. Not that you were expecting anyone else. Anyways, Gaming After College has a sponsor. I know, right? We're getting with the times. It's pretty exciting. Anyways, our sponsor of today's episode is Anchor. Anchor is a brand new service that lets you make podcasts, and they make it very easy to do so. All you need to do to make a podcast is right there on their app and right there on their website. On top of that, they handle automatic distribution of your podcasts to various different platforms. So you don't have to do anything with RSS feeds. And then they look for sponsorships for your podcast with absolutely no minimum amount of listenership, which is great for me because I think I only have five of you guys out there listening to my beautiful voice and uh, keep going. Thanks, guys. The best part about Anchor, it's absolutely 100% free so what are you waiting for go and try it out download the anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started all right guys let's get back to the episode hello everyone and welcome to gaming after college the only podcast that helps you manage your gaming time in your busy life this is your host manny today's episode we will be doing a review episode and i will be reviewing one of my favorite games persona 5 let's get started do get started i will apologize for the lack of episodes i told everyone that i would be keeping to a two-week schedule i missed that two weeks ago and i sincerely apologize given that this is a podcast for busy people who like to game who like to play video games life got in the way and i sincerely apologize for that i will try to keep to that two-week schedule i have a list of episodes in mind and once again apologies all right so let's go on to the review Since this is the first review episode, there are some things I would like to state before I get started. Whenever I do a review, I'm going to do minor spoilers, maybe the first hour or two of the game, and I will be discussing game mechanics, core mechanics, uh, essentially what the gameplay looks like, graphics quality, etc., but I will try to stay away from any, like, major story spoilers. Um, I really love to play a video game that has a great story. And I've had, had stories ruined for me. And I'm, I'm going to try not to do that. I'm, I'm going to try not to be that person who ruins a game for someone else. So there will be minor spoilers, such as a couple names, um, the beginning hours of the game, as stated. And also, the question I want to answer, you know, you guys are probably thinking of, is how long does it take to beat this game? How much time am I going to commit out of my life to beat this game? And is it worth it? And at the end, that is a question I'm going to answer using a variety of web resources and my own experience, because whenever I do a review of a game, I have played it. So what type of game is Persona 5? Persona 5 is a Japanese RPG game, role-playing game, that is part of the long-running Persona series. Those games itself are part of the long-running Shin Megami Tensei series. And in Persona 5, you take control over one character, and they usually have the same backstory. So you play as a high school student who, through some way or another, you need to go live across the country. And the country is always Japan. And in Persona 3, I I honestly cannot remember, I'm sorry. In Persona 4, uh, your character lives in Tokyo, or a bigger city, or a big city, and... Your parents need to go work across across the, the, the world, and they don't want to leave you alone. So instead, they send you to live in a fictional little town called Inaba, or Inaba, uh, with your uncle. And uh, that's where the game takes place. In Persona 5, the unnamed protagonist, who is usually given a name during the following anime adaption, the unnamed pro- protagonist needs to go live with someone in Tokyo. It takes place in modern-day Tokyo. And essentially, through some way or another, you had to be forced to move from wherever you were to Tokyo. And that's where the game starts. But before I get into that, let me talk a little bit about two things that the Persona series are widely known for. Your typical gameplay and your artistic styles. Now, typical gameplay in Persona games. It is half part Sims, half part hardcore RPG. And in Persona 5, essentially, half the time you will be going to high school because you are a high school student, and you will be essentially talking with your classmates and um, taking tests and going to club activities, and every day you got to go to school and you got to do something at the school. And in this game, a lot of the time that you spent in school or doing activities after school, uh, like for example, actually doing club activities or going out to eat in some big shopping district like Shibuya, for example, you usually do it with friends. Cultivating relationships is one of the biggest parts of the game and one of the biggest parts of Persona in general. So going in, into more about this, because this is one of the biggest things in the game, is they have what's called confidants, people you confide in. And I'm not going to give too many spoilers, but essentially there exists a series of people that you can talk to in the game, befriend them, and one of the more beautiful things of the Persona writing and... Uh, The persona story is that everyone has their own story for example someone is going through you know their parents getting divorced or maybe they're getting married off or maybe there's some sexuality issues going on because you know these people are high school students and they're going through some tough times and the game really explores this and essentially as you build up these relationships you actually get stronger in the quote-unquote dungeon crawling part of the game you cannot play one without the other. If you're, if you're going to play Persona 5, you need to at least cultivate some of these confidence and level them up. Because there are levels, so they go up to level 10. And the second part of the game is essentially um, dungeon crawling, right? Um, you're traditional, you're in a, a huge area, and you got to dungeon crawl your way to some goal. That's where the traditional you know, turn-based combat system comes from. And I'm not going to get too much into that. If you've played Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy X or just almost any traditional Japanese RPG, that's essentially the the play style. There is actually, actually, no, 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 there is actually one thing that separates the two apart, and that is the one more mechanic. So when you're playing a game, and you face an enemy, sometimes enemies have weaknesses. So if you think back to like games like Pokemon, if you have a leaf-type Pokemon and you're fighting a fire Pokemon, you're going to have a bad time. So that's similar in Persona. If you're fighting a uh, monster that has, or a demon, or a shadow, um, these are all words used to describe the enemies in Persona 5. When you're fighting a shadow and they're vulnerable to ice damage, and you hit them with ice damage, they will actually go down. And by go down is that they're not going to die. They, they literally fall down on the screen. They're, they're weakened. And the character that did that attack is granted once more, which means they can now attack again at another monster that is attacking them. And if they have that weakness in their repertoire, they can just use that weakness and again get a once more. And once all the monsters or shadows are down from the once more tactic, you can launch what's called an all-out attack, where all the characters get into this massive brawl that is insanely flashy, and the artistic style is amazing in this game, and I'll get to that in a bit. In this all-out attack, all the characters launch a huge attack, and almost usually the battle is won because of this attack. This doesn't happen during boss fights, because most boss fights don't have the once more mechanic, because, you know, obviously it's a boss fight. Going a little bit more into the story and history of Persona, I keep saying Persona and Persona over and over again, and that word actually has a meaning. It's a Persona is essentially the monster or shadow you use to combat all the other shadows in the game. So when you're fighting... You can, have, you can use uh, weapons like guns or swords or what have you, and your character uses that. But every now and then, what they'll do is they'll summon their persona. And their persona is a manifestation of their inner psyche. And they use this persona to launch special attacks like magic attacks or some crazy cool special attacks. That That is what your persona is. It is just a manifestation of yourself. The main character has what's called the quote-unquote wild card persona, wherein you can change personas. And each persona has different attributes attributes and different histories. Yes, they have histories. Practically every persona that you're able to play as, or fuse, because you can actually make new personas by combining current personas, are based off of some mythological god or mythological legend. So for example, off the top of my head, you can play as Loki, Thor. They even have like like angels, like archangels, Gabriel, or or the Four Horsemen. And that's a pretty cool mechanic, because they actually have the history of each of these these uh these gods if you will and you you can actually learn all, just a little bit about these mythological creatures and it's pretty awesome so back to the story essentially you you have to move and you're living in tokyo and you go to high school and as you're going to high school i'm going to give just a brief little spoiler warning right here uh, again i'm not going to get too into the story i'm going to try to make it as vague as i can as you're going to high school you notice that something ain't right There is something going on in the high school, uh, specifically by one of the teachers. Again, I'm going to keep this kind of vague. As you're playing the game, you stumble upon what's called the metaverse. And the metaverse is a kind of quasi-reality between the real world and our world. So, for example, you're walking down the street and you see a bank. If you entered the metaverse, you're still walking down the street. Everything looks the same, but the bank has suddenly become this um, prison, for example. And whatever it does become is called a palace. So this is a very interesting mechanic, um, interesting story part of the game. There exists someone with power in the high school that you're currently attending. And this is, again, the first few hours of the game. This person in power is corrupt. They see the high school as a castle because they feel like they are the king. No, it's not the principal who feels this way, ironically. As you're playing, you accidentally traverse into the metaverse, and then you see this castle, and you see a manifestation of the teacher in question. Oh, spoilers, sorry. Of the teacher in question. They, they are clearly not the same person. It is a manifestation of them. It's how they see themselves in the real world, in the high school, and obviously they're a king in this castle. Essentially, what you have to do is you have to go in there and try to fix what's wrong with him. Because in this palace, there exists what's called a quote-unquote treasure. This treasure, it's an object that means a lot to the palace owner. If you were to take this treasure from this manifestation, they would have essentially an epiphany in the real world. They would change their ways. And that's how the game usually plays out. There exists a person with power who sees something as a palace as something they own, which is some corrupt way of viewing and some corrupt way of thinking. In the metaverse, you are able to summon your personas, fight some shadows, go into their palaces, and steal their treasure. For example, when I was a kid, I loved perfect attendance. Yeah, I'm a nerd. Don't judge me. If I were to be some corrupt little kid who sees school as a palace, my treasure would be my perfect attendance trophies. So that's just an example, a rather bad example. I feel a little embarrassed. I may cut it out, I may not. We'll find out. That is how the game plays. There are, I can't remember at this point, I think six or seven of these palaces of different people and you and your group of friends, this group starts to grow as you play the game, uh, go in there and steals the treasure. They are actually dubbed the name the Phantom Thieves of Heart. I know it's insanely flashy, but trust me, it works. That is the biggest story part of the game I'm going to give, because trust me, this story is an amazing one. Um, It rivals Persona 4. And as I, as I'm going to go into this, I will say that Persona 4 is my favorite game of all time. I have played it more than two times, and that's saying something, because Persona 4 is roughly 102 hours long, and I did play it when it came out uh, back when I was in high school, so about 2008, 2009, and then I played it again when it came out for the Vita, and it was this uh, remastered version with different mi- di- different uh, Personas and all this new stuff. I legit bought a, be- uh, bought a Vita just for Persona 4. That's how much I love Persona 4 and the Persona franchise, and my PS Vita just sits there collecting dust until I want to play Persona 4. It might as well be called Persona the console, but I digress. The last thing I want to talk about is, and I can keep talking about this game, but you know what? I'm... I don't want to give too much of the story away, and it kind of makes me want to play the game right now. But one thing I do want to talk about is the artistic styles and the sound of Persona 5. One of the biggest things that the Persona series is known for is their artistic styles. It's an insanely flashy game. So if I'm telling you that your characters are called the Phantom Thieves of Heart, that makes you think of a heist movie, and they really lean into that, lean into that insanely and it is absolutely fantastic. If you have the time, I would recommend just looking up screenshots of the menus, for example, because the menus alone are enough to tell you how flashy this game is. It's in your face flashy. The colors are heavy on the reds and the blacks. It is absolutely amazing. And as for the soundtracks, so Persona 4 had an amazing soundtrack and if you had pre-ordered the game for Persona 4, they actually gave you the soundtrack with the game. And Persona 5, they didn't do that. You had to get the platinum vip edition of of the release to get like to get that and honestly it's worth it i don't know if they still make those anymore i think you could just find the the soundtrack on spotify or apple music or whatever but the music that they have is uh half english half japanese and it's um really melancholic melon oh my god i'm gonna mess this up it's very somber and it can be very somber at points, and then during the fights, it gets, it gets really upbeat and heavy on, like, the violins. And trust me, I'm, I'm having it in my head right now. It is amazing, and it adds that, plus the artistic styles of the menus and the graphics, really make it an experience. Oh, and before I forget, I should state that you do not need to have played any of the Persona games or any of the Shimigami Tensei games to play Persona 5. Each Persona video game is separate from the other. They all have their separate stories. In some instances, actually, no, actually, no, I apologize. They are set in the same universe. Um, There are callbacks to other Persona games while you play Persona. In Persona 4, there are callbacks to Persona 3. In Persona 5, there are callbacks to Persona 4. But you do not need to play any of the games. And every game is different. So, for example, I was talking heavily about the palace mechanic and the palace story part, and how you have to steal this thing that is uh, is within the palace owner's heart. You don't do that in Persona Four. In Persona Four, and I'm again minor spoilers for Persona Four. In Persona Four, it's it's a lot more deeper than that, Um, in my opinion, anyway. For example, in Persona Four, you there there is that split between high school and the shadow world or whatever, and the dungeon crawler. In Persona Four, people start being murdered or kidnapped. They get kidnapped, and then they get murdered. And it's a whole mystery game. You have to solve the mystery. Who is doing this and why? Which is clearly not in Persona 5. While you're playing the game, you realize that when people are thrown into what's called the Midnight Channel, similar to the Metaverse, um, they get a special area designed for them. It's not really a palace. It's just like, hey, this is the dungeon that was created when this person was thrown into the Midnight Channel. As you're playing the game, there exists another version of themselves, in the midnight channel similar to the metaverse but here's the here's the distinction for example there is a character who is going through some uh so, some sexuality issues he gets thrown into the midnight channel and his little area is a bathhouse now this guy is he he really struggles he he tries to be as masculine as possible and in the bathhouse everyone is in a towel and uh, obviously not wearing a shirt and they're all guys and this character was thrown in there, and when you get to the final end of this dungeon, he is interacting with the shadow version of himself. The shadow version of himself keeps saying that you know he likes boys or he um, he feels like he isn't a man. As the original version of this person is arguing, they will deny the existence of the shadow. That you know this isn't me. This isn't me. You're not me. And that causes the shadow to become a huge boss that you fight. At the end of that, the character in question has to accept that there exists some of these thoughts in their head, and by denying it, they are denying themselves to be whole. In my opinion, that that, that's deeper than the palace mechanic, than Persona 5, and that's probably why I prefer Persona 4 over Persona 5. But that doesn't mean Persona 5 isn't an amazing game. And they're all kind of similar. Um, I cannot remember what Persona 3 was, the the story wise. I did play it, but that was what early high school. If you're looking for a an amazing, flashy, musical type of game that has Japanese RPG elements and Sims elements, this is up your alley. And I strongly recommend you buy it. However, before I continue, how long does it take to beat? Because this podcast is centered around you have very limited time to game. And if I'm going to get invested in this game that, you know, Persona 4 took 100 and something hours to to beat, Persona 5 is going to be roughly up there, Right. So I went on to HowLongToBeat.com, and HowLongToBeat.com, you just put in whatever game you're thinking of, and it'll tell you how long it takes to beat it. These are user-generated metrics, and they usually have different uh, caveats, like the main story takes X amount of hours. The completionist version of the story, where you got to do absolutely everything in the game, takes X amount of hours. So I try to, I try to be a completionist whenever I play, but I, can, I cannot do that in a Persona game. So according to HowLongToBeat.com, the main story takes 95 hours to beat. This does include t- cutscenes. And the completionist, the completionist version, if you want to beat the game completionist way, it's going to take you 163 hours. And this does include playing a new game plus because there is no way the game is designed that you cannot do absolutely everything in one playthrough. You may not like that, but it actually makes it interesting to see how, where you end up at the end of the game. As for me, I managed to complete Persona 5 in 97 hours. How did I play this? So, I bought this game when it came out last April in 2017. And I'm not going to lie, I do have vacation hours at my job. And I straight up took two days off, right? Um, my birthday was the next week, and I took two days off and I literally just sat down and game. But then, you know, I got to go back to work. And essentially, it took me from April to August to finish the game. And I basically played on the weekends in two, three hour chunks during the week, if there was a holiday, like Memorial Day or July 4th, I'd squeeze in a few hours here and there. So it's definitely a game that you don't want it to be your only game. In the last episode, I was discussing pickup games. And pickup games are just quick games you pick up, right? So what I like to do, and this is what I've been doing since I started the workforce and graduated from college, is I have one game that I play that's going to be my long game. Like, this is my buddy game. This is the game I'm going to come back to for months like Assassin's Creed, for example, that uh, that's what I've told you that I've been playing since April. And as I'm playing that game, I also have my quick game games that, you know, the the story, there is no story or the story doesn't really matter. And now that game is Fortnite. It used to be Overwatch and I have played Overwatch recently, but I've been playing more Fortnite because everyone and, you know, everyone and their mothers is playing Fortnite right now. And I have a lot of friends that play it and it's great to play with friends. Essentially, I have two games I'm always juggling. I have, on the console anyway, um, or my main gaming device, and that is the quick pickup game, the quick pickup game, and a long story game. So if you're interested in getting Persona 4, Persona (laughs) 5, if you're interested in getting Persona 5, I strongly recommend getting into one of the pickup games. Because if you're only going to be playing a really intense story-driven type of game you're not going to have fun during the week, trust me. If you only have 30 minutes, that may be enough, but it's not really impactful. I think if you're going to play Persona 5 over the course of a few months like I did, you're going to have to play it in at least one hour segments. So if that's something that you think you could do, I totally recommend it. Persona 5 is exploding right now, and even though it came out, um, 13 months ago. The anime just dropped in Japan. You can watch it on Hulu and it, it provides a very condensed version of the story. It's not going to be 96 hours long. I watched the first episode and I thought it was pretty well done. And the anime style is amazing. And they just announced a couple of spin off games that um, don't really do anything with the story. They're just fun little games. And one of them is in fact a dancing game. I know it's weird, but like I said, the soundtrack is amazing and the game itself is insanely flashy. And I just checked online. You can still pick up Persona 5 for less than $60. And I, I would say that's a steal. If you're a huge fan of the series, you're obviously going to buy it the week it comes out. But if you've never heard of it and you just kind of want to get into it, wait for a sale. And right now it's 44 on Amazon, brand new with Prime shipping. I'm almost sure that it will be on sale later on this year because it's over a year old now. That's great. That's great for someone who's never played it before because you can just pick it up cheap. So that concludes the review portion of this episode. Persona 5 is an amazing, artistic, flashy, simulation, dungeon-crawling RPG that is amazing. And if you have any questions or any sort of thoughts or you don't agree with me, again, you can always email me at gamingaftercollege at gmail.com. Now, this isn't the end of the episode. Um, I am talking like it is, and I apologize. We're moving on to the news segment. So, this weekend news. I will start with the personal news first, and I just want to get this out of the way. I have finally, after two months, finished Assassin's Creed Origins. I started playing it in April, around my birthday, so I did take some time off, and I took about 34 hours of my life to beat it. It was a pretty great game. If you are an Assassin's Creed fan, I totally recommend playing this game. It takes place before the first Assassin's Creed game. Story-wise, it leads to the creation of the Assassins, i.e. Origins, and the gameplay is much different than the previous games, so I totally recommend it. Now, moving on to actual news, this week has the has seen the release of Pokemon Let's Go. Now, not the game, this is just a news release that, hey, this is happening. Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, it is is the first Pokemon traditional RPG game to come out for the Switch. And it is modeled after Pokemon Yellow, which came out in the late 90s and for the Game Boy Color. And this game looks pretty awesome. Um, it 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 is a bit different than your core games. I'm noticing in the trailers that the core catch mechanic resembles a lot of the Pokemon Go mechanic. So if you play Pokemon Go, it's very similar, which the internet is kind of split on. I personally don't like it. I would love it if I can play a traditional game where I just weaken the Pokemon to catch it and then press down B. But... Pokemon Yellow was my first Pokemon game, and I'll probably buy this game and do a review when it comes out late November, mid November, November 18th to be precise. Nintendo has also announced that a traditional core Pokemon video game will be coming to the Nintendo Switch in 2019, in the later half of 2019, so I'm also looking forward to that too. If anything, Pokemon Let's Go is a way to test the waters on how the general population feels about the game mechanics and the graphics. And the graphics, top notch. The game mechanics, please go back to the original. So if, if anyone from Nintendo is listening, go back to the original, please. Well, that's my opinion. Uh E3 is also coming up this month and they are indeed selling uh public tickets for the public. Uh I tried to get into this last year and the waiting queue online was horrendous and I was in the office and my internet was about to be cut because they were upgrading the internet that that day and I was I think I was like 900th in line. And it, it just was not going to work. And uh, I just couldn't go. However, for those of you who are going to go, please know that feel safer that they are incorporating bag checks and um, people checks essentially at the gates. So they are going to do security checks. Last year, people were able to just walk in and out as long as they had a badge. And a lot of people were a little uh, concerned about that. Uh, so I think that's it, guys. I did my news. I did the Persona 5 review, which I hope you all enjoyed. Next week, I'm sorry, the next episode will be in two weeks' time, I hope. Again, I do apologize for not uh, keeping up to the schedule that I set up for me. The next episode will all be about A3. So the next episode is definitely just going to be a news episode. E3 is June 11th and June 12th. at, At least it's during that week. And I will unfortunately be on travel that week. But trust me, I will be watching everything from the East Coast, which is where I will be going. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining me for the first full-length review episode of Gaming After College. And again, if you have any thoughts or you just want to complain to me about the frequency of these episodes, and I will try to fix that, you can always email me at gamingaftercollege at gmail.com. This all gets forwarded into my personal email account, and I check it every day. And if you have any episode ideas or any or my thoughts on anything, just shoot me an email. I will be back in two weeks with your awesome E3 coverage, which won't be live, unfortunately, so you guys are probably going to hear me repeat a lot of stuff. But hey, it'll be my take on it, and I hope you enjoy it. Until then, this is Manny, signing off.